Coming up on Inside the NRL. Another blue barrage in game two. The series is sealed and a whitewash looms. So where will Freddie's side go down in origin history? The fallout begins north of the border with off-contract Maroons coach Paul Green under the microscope. And as the COVID crisis mounts in Sydney, we'll tell you what it means for the NRL this weekend, as well as Origin 3. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. Coming to you live from our lounge rooms, I'm Zach Bailey, joined by former Blues 5'8", Jamie Soward, who's got a jersey behind his uh, shoulder, loud and proud after the Blues win at Suncorp Stadium. And, of course, the Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Chamis. Uh, Gents, uh, very convincing win from the Blues on enemy territory last night. Sally, I'll start with you. Back-to-back wins. Uh, is it the start of a dynasty? Well, I mean, we thought last year would have been three in a row, would have been a real start to a dynasty, Zach. But, you know, we saw how that went pear-shaped very quickly. I think that this side, you know, the combinations of Yo, Cleary and, and Luai and what that meant to the rest of the team when they went into camp reminded me of having to play against... Thurston Smith, Cronk, Slater, you know, that, those teammate connections, when you go into camp, half the camp's already done because your main playmakers are in combinations within their club. So uh, one thing that stood out to me for the first two games is, yes, the attack's been fantastic. The outside backs have reaped all the rewards, but it's the hard work of the middles and the forwards. They've been selfless and really sacrificed themselves and their carries you know, to come up with some big defence and scrambling defence and scrambling carries as well. Michael, when you look at the Blues 17 that got the job done at Suncorp Stadium, 11 of those players are 25 or under. So when you talk about a dynasty, how long do you think it could last? Yeah, I think it's going to last a little while, Zach. When you look at Queensland's depth and who they have to choose from, even if they wanted to make changes for Game 3, there's not a lot there. In the past, when New South Wales, when they lost to that great Queensland team over the years, they were criticised for chopping and changing their team. They had the options to do so. They had so many players to choose from, and you felt like if they didn't get the job done, they could try something different. There's not a lot there for Queensland to try. I know they've got... There's four guys there that didn't play on the weekend that are the future of the Maroons. You have Caelan Ponga, Harry Grant. you also got Reese Walsh, and you've got Sam Walker in a couple of years when he's ready. So that's the, they're the pillars of hope for Queensland, but... Geez, it doesn't look good for them in the next few years. I can't see Queen, New South Wales losing a series in the next few years. It might be a little while. Sal, we uh, one of those players that's still under 25. It absolutely blows my mind at how young he is. Latrell Mitchell, arguably his best ever game in Sky Blue. Uh, are we seeing the best ever version of Latrell Mitchell we've ever seen? Yes, we are. And we've got Wayne Bennett to thank for it, a Queenslander who... Yeah, broke our hearts last year getting that side up to beat New South Wales. And, you know, Wayne's got Latrell Mitchell cherry right for this Origin Series. And, yeah, you know, I felt like he had a bit of a point to prove coming back into the arena. But, you know, I played against GI and, yeah, saw the aura that surrounded him when he walked into Suncorp Stadium and, you know, having to play against him. But Latrell Mitchell had all that and more last night. He was a real physical presence. And it's the one percenters. It's getting the repeat set off a kick chase. It's coming up with a one-on-one steal which makes those big plays that he has in the game so much more highlighted. So, you know, I felt like he was in for a big series. Wayne's got him ready. And you know, we've seen a real maturation of, of Latrell Mitchell and not only on the field, but off the field as well. He's become a real leader within his Indigenous community and he's carried that onto the field now. And he should be very proud and very honoured in the way he's handled himself. And, you know, I think it's shining through his footy. 
So Joey, the follow-up question is, he the best, sorry, Chambers, is he the best centre in the game? And if so, where does South playing? Because he's also a great number one. Yeah, well, I'll leave that to you, Sal. You spent some time with Wayne. What, what, what's his thinking going forward? He, he's surely the number one for South Sydney as long as he's still playing the way he is. Yeah, I, I think he's still the number one for South Sydney. The way that they play, he needs to be at the back and everything, and he can run the ball and be able to get rest as well. I think in the in the side for New South Wales, he's got li- limited touches, uh, but they're all class. So, you know, New- South Sydney need him to have the hands in the ball affair to even challenge the top two teams at the back end of the year. But the scary thing that I thought last night is if Wayne Bennett's got him right for origin, what if he gets Cody Walker right? What if he gets the rest of that South Sydney right just for a primed run? And no one can deny that, you know, if you wanted a coach to be in charge of South Sydney and Latrell Mitchell at the back end of the year, it's Wayne Bennett. Michael, the Blues, they're chasing their first clean sweep since the year 2000. Let's take a look at some of the teams that have gone through to win Series 3-0. The Blues back in 86, then Queensland in 88, 89, 95. The Maroons were the last team to do it in 2010. But if the Blues get the job done in Game 3, wherever that match will be played, where will this team be considered? What do they have to do to be considered among the Blues' great teams? I think they're almost there. I looked at the numbers earlier in the day. The biggest winning margin for a series in terms of the aggregate total scores was previously 62. We're at 70 already. And if they have to only have to lose by eight and they hold on to that record with that 2000 New South Wales team. Not even the great Queensland teams of that eight-year run had a dominant series like that. And that's the thing about that, that period there. We all criticised New South Wales and Queensland was so good during that reign. But... New South Wales were always competitive. It always, you know, only once, I think, in that 15-year run that they won a series 3-0. So it showed you how close New South Wales were all those years. You just get the feeling that this is not going to be the same, the way things are. The most points scored in a series, I think it's 104. New South Wales could beat that. And the least points conceded in a series, that's 15. And they're at six at the moment. So they could go down as the best attacking team in a series and the best defensive team in a series I know we could all say the rules, that they lean that way, the way they play, it suits them. But you've also got to con- not concede points and they're doing it defensively. So it, the, the record book's going to tumble and I think New South Wales will go down as one of the best teams, not only for a blue side, but in origin history. Sowie, back-to-back losses on home soil for the Maroons under new coach Paul Green. What is the most concerning factor for them right now, given both those losses? Is it the fact they've conceded 76 points? Is it the fact they've only scored six? Is it the fact that Daly Cherry Evans sat there post-game and said, the Blues were simply more motivated than us? Surely they don't have any more motivation or don't need any more motivation than the Origin Arena and Suncorp Stadium? Yeah, this isn't a personal attack on Daly Cherry Evans or Paul Green, but... After both Origins uh, 1 and 2, I've found their post-match press conferences really uninspiring. And I, th- like, I hate to think what that would be like uh, you know, inside the, the four walls. And, and that's how they've played, to be honest. You know, They missed the jumping game one. They had 10 days to, pro- uh, to get ready for it. I don't know how you missed the jump after that. And then in game two, they come out and said you know, what they did last night. And for, for, as a player... Yeah, you need to be inspired. This is the biggest game of your life at Suncorp. You've been embarrassed in North Queensland you know, only two weeks ago. They needed to come out, and they did come out for five minutes. It was it was uninspiring for me to hear that after the game, and, and they played like that. So, 
you know, they've got a lot of issues, Queensland. They looked really rushed and panicked and stressed in attack like they didn't know what they were doing. Not to forget that they have three premiership players in their spine, uh, you know, being able to do that, whereas Tedesco's the only one in our spine that's won a competition or a couple of competitions. Uh, but you just got the feel that they, New South Wales were always up for the challenge and Queensland were just holding on to not try and lose by 50 again. Michael, after a comprehensive series loss in his first year as Queensland coach, where does this leave Paul Green, given he's only signed a one-year deal with the Maroons and there's, I believe, a one-year extension in the Maroons' favour? Yeah, you'd have to ask questions about Paul Green continuing. Wayne Bennett, not too dissimilar side last year, was able to pull off a win. Now, I think with last year, you'd have to – the circumstances were different. Penrith and and the, and the – Obviously, the players there, Nathan Cleary, are coming off the heartache of a grand final loss. So that situation last year is completely different. But Paul Green and this year, they just look, as you said, Sowie, they look uninspired. And the criticism of Paul Green, and you're starting to hear this now, is that he treats it like a club environment, which, Sowie, you've been in that situation before. Even Craig Bellamy, that was the knock on him when he was New South Wales coach, that this wasn't just a week-to-week NRL situation. He had to treat it a little bit differently. And I think Brad Fittler's nailed that because... There's and, and what Wayne Bennett did last year showed that perhaps even if you haven't got a good team, there's other ways to get them up for for a big game. So I think Paul Green's future as Maroons coach is, is in serious doubt and it'll hinge on the performance they put in Origin 3 and if there's any hope going forward. If they get embarrassed, I uh, wouldn't be surprised. And I don't know why the, the QRL aren't phone, putting a phone call into Wayne Bennett today. He's off contract at the end of the year. He's got nothing to do at this stage in 2022. Give Uncle Wayne a call and he's back next year. Perhaps he wouldn't want to do it because maybe the writing is on the wall for the next few years. Yeah, I, I, so I think it's done. Do you agree? I think it's mm. done, Zach. Yeah, I, I think this will be, unfortunately, Paul Green's you know, one and only year as Origin coach. The, the first two performances that have dished up, uh, you know, and they had the drama with Ronaldo Mulitalo and, and all that kind of stuff. But this is a side that has... No answers, as Daly Cherry Evans said. No answers. They didn't have the answers. They didn't even have the questions. You know, New South Wales, Queensland have talked for years about the pride in the jersey and, you know, how much more passion they have than New South Wales. They've had two games at home and they've been thoroughly embarrassed by a New South Wales side that's come in red hot. If they wanted to get the ship right, all right, they've just had four immortals retire, Cronk, Slater, Thurston, uh, yeah, those guys need to be involved somewhere in the system going forward, whether it's Billy Slater. We interviewed him on Inside the NRL, asked him if he'd want to take the job. I'd be a lot more scared, New South Wales, <laughs> if you know, Billy Slater was involved and also Cameron Smith because those two brains you know, with some of the elite players in the competition for me would scare me a lot more. Michael, what does this mean for Paul Green's NRL aspirations if he loses a Series 3-0? It doesn't help him, does it? And he's been overlooked for a couple of jobs already. And now if they go and and lose this series, it doesn't help him at all. And the knock on Paul Green remains his relationship with players. And that deteriorated at the Cowboys. And the same players he called in. And, and, and really, Valentine Holmes, someone who he dropped from fullback at the Cowboys and then dropped him again in game one. Valentine Holmes like played like someone who didn't have the faith of the coach. And he didn't. They, they picked 18-year-old Reese Walsh because they didn't think they could win with Valentine Holmes at fullback. So, yeah, I, I don't think uh, it does Paul Green's chances of getting an NRL job in the new future any favours. Sowie, we do have to note the players that the Maroons were missing, Caelan Ponga, Harry Grant, AJ Brimson, Reid Marnie, Reese Walsh, uh, ruled out just, you know, 24 hours or so before kickoff. How much of an impact would that have actually had on the team? 
Or what no, difference none. would they have made if they were there? None. None at all. Those, those guys coming into a side that had failed to get up and down the field, let New South Wales roll out of their own end. Uh, Tedesco, the outside backs came in uh, and were able to, to create momentum through the middle of the ruck. That wouldn't have helped Harry Grant coming off his own line. You know, Carl and Ponger, I, I still feel it would have been the same result. Uh, you know, the, the young forwards for Queensland, that you know, the touted forwards in Fasul Malawi, Dave Fafida, you know, Josh Papali, I thought was okay, but Mo Fodawaka, you know, they're all learning still what it takes you know, to play Origin, you know, year in, year out. And, and you only had to listen to the to the post-match presses about, you know, they they were playing with house money this year, to be honest. They weren't expected to win last year. The worst ever side. If you put last year's side against this year's side, you know, what would be better? It's just the way they've been coached. So um, I, I don't think bringing those guys in, you know, having them come off their own end would have changed the result at all. New South Wales are too hungry and... Yeah, they're, they're winning the big moments now. I grew up watching Queensland win the big moments. I lost a series watching Queensland win the big moments. And three out of the last four series, Brad Fittler and his side have continued to turn the tide and win those big moments. Isaiah Yo in game one with that tackle. You know, J- uh, Tommy Trebojevic right at the death with that tackle. When the game is already won, that's what we watch Queensland do for years. So having Kalen Ponga at the back and uh, you know, other guys there without any, you know, in terms of getting in field position... Uh, they they just didn't have the game plan last night, so having those guys in there wouldn't have helped. The player that pulled off those big moments last year was Cameron Munster, especially in game three. If it wasn't for a freakish play down the left-hand side and a couple of kicks, then it could have been a different story. It could have been four series in a row for the Blues. Are you surprised, Sally? I know he's been underdone and he said he was, you know, hopefully going to be 80 or 90% better in game two, but are you surprised at how little impact he's had, especially at Suncorp? Yeah, I, I felt like he would be the one guy to get me in the match and if they were to cause an upset, he'd have to have the game of his life and just didn't get you know, the opportunity to be able to do that. He needed to run the ball and he felt I, looked, I felt like he looked dangerous in that second half. But again, their structures inside the 20 were just all over the shop. Like they, they would have trained all week and yes, not having Reese Walsh there, but there was just different plays on different times and everyone overcalling each other. And that's what I meant by they looked really stressed was... There was no one out there that was saying, right, get to this point, come back, we're going to run this. Where you look at Cleary, you know, Luai played second fiddle when Cleary was cooking and then vice versa. You felt Luai come into the game and Nathan Cleary took a step back. That's the rhythm and rhyme that halves pairings have to have if you want to win big games. And last night, two premiership winners, arguably the Australian pairing before kickoff last night, potentially, you know, didn't deliver. And, and Cameron Munster needs someone to get him in the right position to come up with those big plays. And if the forward pack's not getting you up there and the half pack's not putting you in the right position, you can't come up with the big plays. Michael, plenty was made in the Maroons post-match uh, press conference about Ronaldo Mortalo and his ineligibility to represent the Maroons. You know, dramatic game day, really, for those, for them. Uh, do you think we'll ever see Ronaldo wear a Maroons jersey moving forward? Has there been any developments in that space today? Yeah, I'm, uh, I think there was every chance that if Queensland got their act together, he would have played in game two. And I think there's still a chance that he'll play in game three. I think there's a there's a feeling at head office that you know, there wants to be some sort of leniency applied. But I don't think Queensland got their act together. From what I my understanding of the situation, that Queensland were very sluggish on Saturday night to get their act together. And... They left the NRL with no choice and they left the QRL with no choice but to actually withdraw him from the game because they couldn't, A, find paperwork or B, speak to Ronaldo at a suitable time to make that decision. And once you get on to game day, 
and you can't be dragging out to 12, 1 o'clock without a decision. So they had to make that pretty quickly. But I think Andrew Abdo, the NRL CEO, said yesterday that they were going to look at an exemption once all the paperwork uh, is submitted and they had a chat with him. Sowie, should Ronaldo have been allowed to play in game two? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> he's already in camp. He's played under-18s. He played under-20s for Queensland. Yeah, those sheets, I think I only filled one out throughout my whole career. And, and when that came around again, I was like, well, if you don't know I'm playing for New South Wales or in New South Wales, then yeah, what are we doing here? So, of course, he should have been able to play. I felt really sorry for Ronaldo. It was a you know, lifelong dream to get into that arena and uh, he just didn't get the chance to do it. So, uh, I can understand that we've got to be, you know, look after the rules and the integrity of the game. But, you know, if we're... For allowing Joseph Sawali to potentially you know, play before his 18th birthday, and he has done that, and we're getting young kids in, and Reese Walsh is 18, you know, it just would have added to the excitement. So, yeah, I probably was on the other side of the fence. I would love to have seen him play. He's a great kid. Uh, now I just want to see him back it up for the Sharks and get in there for game three. Now, Sowie, I know you bleed blues, so be nice here. But uh, game three, uh, they don't have a lot of depth. Is there any way the Maroons can make an indent in this blues side and pull off a win? They have to, Zach. They have to go to the drawing board. They need to move Luke, uh, Kurt, Kurt Catewell into the back row, have Jai Arrow come off the bench or like he has for South Sydney and been successful doing that. And they need to blood some young guys potentially that have been on the fringe for a couple of years now uh, in their system because if they come down to Sydney, if it is in Sydney or wherever the game is played uh, and they don't have the right mentality to stop the rot right now, then... This will be a dynasty because New South Wales have been in pain for so long. We've had to hear about the eight in a row and all that kind of stuff. This is our chance to get some back. So um, I don't see them making a whole hope of changes, a heap of changes, beg your pardon. But, you know, I think there'll be a couple of little ones. KP will come back into the side. You know, Harry Grant, if he's ready to go, will come back inside. Ben Hunt will retain his position probably on the bench. But, again, they need to find someone to be able to stop these outside backs and they haven't been able to do that. And just noting, Cameron Munster wasn't charged by the Match Review Committee. And uh, spare for a thought for all of the uh, Sydney Blaze Maroons players. They were on a charter flight back today with all the Blues players as well. And uh, dare say the AirPods and the headphones would have been on for those poor Maroons players. Michael, speaking of Game 3, uh, Sydney's in lockdown up until five days before that match, which is scheduled for Stadium Australia. Is there any way that that match will take place in Sydney at Stadium Australia? Can we rule that out today? Yeah, I spoke to Abdo, uh, Andrew Abdo yesterday in regards to this and the NRL has not given up hope that once the lockdown is over that they don't actually go back straight away to 100% capacity rather than gradually increase that. Now, at some point in the next few days, there's going to have to be a decision made because you can't be waiting out a few days before. But the NRL are still hopeful. Even at 50% capacity, I think the NRL will play this game at Stadium Australia. You get 40,000 there. Uh, and, and if they can't get any crowd or potentially if they can't get more than 25%, then Newcastle's an option. But, however, Newcastle remains at 50% at the moment as well. So you'd want 100% in Newcastle with a crowd of 33,000. If those two options are off the table, it'll be going in the state. Maybe we can go to Queensland and get three in a row up on uh, Queensland Territory and that'll be a celebration for the Blues. But the other option is also Melbourne, who was supposed to get game one, but that got moved to Townsville. So... I think the next few days with the infection rate, as our Andrew Abdo said, is going to be pivotal in, in that decision-making process. Sowie, no Sydney, no Newcastle. Where should Game 3 be if that is the case? Suncorp. Straight back to Suncorp. <laughs> Rub it in. Rub it in while we get the chance. Oh, you're too good. 
<laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Oh, I, 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 my origin loss still hurts. I've had to listen to it every time I do a, a function or we talk origin, as uh, last week with Darren Lockyer. But, uh, yeah, for, for me, go for uh, go for Suncorp again. Well, it's, it's actually the first time, I think, in 25 years that a New South Wales team has gone and won two games in Queensland. So it's three, obviously, never happened before. They've never played three games before. But that achievement on its own is uh, is pretty impressive from the Blues. All right, we've got to turn our attention to round 16 uh, fixtures and how they're impacted by this worsening COVID-19 outbreak in Sydney. Uh, Friday night, the Warriors on the Central Coast, they're set to play there. So they're impacted. Uh, You've got uh, the Parramatta Eels as well. They're impacted. The uh, Roosters, they've already moved their match to Newcastle. Sunday, you've got the Rabbitohs and West Tigers set to play in Sydney as well. Uh, Michael, uh, how are these matches already affected and can we see Titans restrictions even further moving forward? How disappointing we don't get to see Benji Marshall at Leichhardt Oval. That's the one that disappoints me. Well, we get to see him, but we won't see him in front of crowds. That's the disappointing thing there. It would have been a spectacular scene on Sunday to see that. Now, obviously, Thursday night, the Roosters have moved their game to Newcastle. That was originally designed to to help the Storm get home after uh, they've been staying away for a couple of months or a couple of weeks now in the Sunshine Coast. So uh, they moved their game to help them. It's obviously worked out well. They get a bit of a crowd this week, but uh, there's every chance that Newcastle, um, they've got a game as well there, but there's every chance in the next week or two this gets prolonged and the NRL making contingency plans now, double headers potentially in different locations in the next few weeks to work out what's going to happen if this lockdown gets extended and restrictions uh, don't ease in time in the next few weeks. Hopefully we won't need to see the cardboard cutouts back for too long, Michael. No, nah. <laughs> I need to buy one, actually. I was a bit uh, a bit cheap, didn't get one last time. I might get one this time. Or at least get the uh, the soury cardboard cutout that I've got in my home that he gave me 10 years ago and signed, so I'll bring that one out. Of course, the uh, Maroons women's team, plenty of uh, positives coming out of the Sunshine Coast on Friday night. They're cheering as they made a back-to-back wins in the women's handpole series. 8-6 winners, uh, Sowie. Uh, did the right team win? There was a controversial penalty right at the death of that match. Yeah, they did. I felt like Queensland played the, to the conditions a lot better and adjusted throughout the game. You saw New South Wales a fast start with their outside backs. I thought that was going to be their advantage, but... As the game wore on, you saw the game management of Ali Brigginshaw bring Queensland into it, and you know, it's a fantastic spectacle. Uh, I think that we're uh, you know, getting excited now when Women's Origin comes around on that Friday night of the rep weekend, and you know, Queensland just continue to be dominant. They've won the last three NRLW competitions, and you know, some of the, the big-name players for New South Wales probably didn't have their best game, and you know, uh, now they have to go back to the drawing board uh, for next year. How much of the Blues halves to blame for that loss, given the conditions? Because I, I, I was up there and I felt like if it was a dry night, they would have, you know, could have won by 10 or 20 points, but they just couldn't adapt to the conditions. Yeah, they couldn't, could they? They um, really struggled in terms of their decision-making and I felt like, uh, yeah, that really probably cost them later in the game. Uh, Maddie Studden didn't have her best game. They came up with some errors and when you come up with an error early or you come up with a trick play that doesn't come off, then... Yeah, that, that sort of rattles you a little bit. And that's what it looked like, you know, from afar that they had a couple of plays that didn't quite work. And then other than that, they couldn't really get themselves in position and didn't really think about their kicking game too much in terms of how to try and turn the Queenslanders around. So I'm sure they'll be bitterly disappointed and they'll have to wait to try and get a chance back next year. But yeah, definitely the, the halves will have to shoulder a lot of the blame for the, 
for the New South Wales girls. Michael, the Sunshine Coast fans still turned out in force despite the miserable uh, rainy and windy conditions up there. The big question is, surely it's time for a three-game series in 2022? Yeah, it's, that's the question everyone's asking at the moment. And I think we asked this a few years ago after the first Women's Origin or the second. We asked, is it time? And I think a lot of us felt like you didn't want to rush into this. And I think we've seen now after a few years, and especially with 600-odd thousand tuning in on Channel 9 to watch it as well, like the TV numbers are growing, the crowds are at capacity. I think it's time now we go to, to a three-game series. And I don't think you'll find too many people who will argue with that. The, uh, the spectacle was great. Obviously, the conditions didn't suit the style of football there, but there's no, there's no denying the commitment and desire from the teams. And I think you won't get many arguments if you suggest this would go to three games next year. Especially with the NRLW expanding as well, there's going to be more talent to pick from for uh, the Blues and uh, the Sky Blues now and the Maroons uh, next year. All right, it's time for our one of our favourite segments, Hit or Miss. Now, Michael, the dagger was already in the hearts of the Maroons last night and all their fans, and you've just twisted it on Twitter by saying the Blues B team would beat the current Maroons team. Uh, I don't know if you actually meant it, but it got a fair bit of traction. So, uh, Sowie, over to you. The Blues B team that Michael has come up with will beat or would beat the current Maroons team. You can see it on the screen right there. Oh, well, it's hard to say because uh, a couple of those blokes are, um, yeah, probably maybe out of position. I don't know if Nico Hines would make the... B team, um, but yeah, that, they'd be up there. I think that you know, it's easier to, to turn the knife now that we've won the series. But you know, the Queenslanders would be hurting, and yeah, you know, I think that it'd be a closer game. But yeah, probably win the series. I'd say if they played. Hit Michael. Wait, am I supposed to say miss to myself that I wasn't right? <laughs> of course, I'm going to say hit. <laughs> Look, I, I think I think you just the way you measure it is how many of those guys would walk into the Queensland team and. I think that back line would pretty much replace the Queensland back line the way it was on the weekend. Uh, I know Dan Yegai has been a, a great stalwart for the Maroons for many years and been one of their best players, but he just didn't look up to it. And I think there's that's the problem right now is that New South Wales have got depth there to last another four or five years. And Queensland, I know there's, as I said, four or five guys who hold that hope going forward, but beyond that, there's not much. So I think, uh, yeah, my B team, and even if you can get some of the C team in, it just doesn't look good for Queensland. I'm sorry, Queensland fans, but I think that B team, I'd rather uh, put my money on them than the Queenslanders for game three. All right, let's bring it back to reality. From your B team to the actual national team, the Kangaroos, Nathan Cleary is now the Kangaroos halfback, Michael. Hit, move on, next question. Is, Is there any doubt? I just, he's... Mate, look, no disrespect to Daly Cherry Evans, but he, he's not in the same class as Nathan Cleary at the moment. And it's it's Cameron Munster gets in there because I think, you know, big game experience, but also he's just won a premiership. But, mate, Daly Cherry Evans, unfortunately, Nathan Cleary surpassed him you know, last year, let alone this year. So we hit. Yeah, I, I named my Australian team today that we do at the every, every month, end of every month for NRL.com. And the only player, Queensland player I had in there was, big uh, pardon, Dave Fafita, Cameron Munster, just because I feel like he'd be you know, unstoppable under the control of uh, Nathan Cleary. And Jerome Lewis already made his intentions clear that he wants to play for Samoa. So, yeah, I feel like that New South Wales, you know, one guy who's impressed is Tarek Sims. Yeah, off the back of all of this, he's found his way into the Australian side as well. But New South Wales will be very dominant and Cleary's the best player in the world. I said it a month ago and 
now you can all say that I was right. You are right, Sowie. Well said. You did say that. All right, Brad Fittler <laughs> will overtake Phil Gould's record with six series wins. Yeah, if he wants to, if he hang, if he wants to hang around that long, uh, I think that he really enjoys it. He learned a lot about himself last year, and yeah, you know, one thing that about Freddie is when you talk to him, you walk away feeling smarter for have talked to him for a little bit. So uh, I feel like the guys really relish that camp right now, and yeah, he'll be there as long as he wants to. To think that people in the media uh, were trying to put pressure on Freddie after losing that series last year that, you know, we're not sure if he can get the job done. He's come out and just said, yeah, no worries, sweet as. Um, now I'm, I'm thinking about going on and, and coaching for six series. So, yeah, of course. Well, I don't understand last year, Sal. I, I think he learned a lot from being, some say, yeah, even he said he was outcoached by Wayne Bennett. I think he realised a lot about himself as a coach and the way he wants to handle things. And I think he's adapted to this series and he's put a lot of faith in Nathan Cleary. I think Gus said yesterday that Nathan Cleary walked in with his Penrith teammates and Tedesco and said, this is the way we're going to play. And I think obviously Freddie's had a say in a bit, but I think he's he's backed his players and that's what they respect about him. He believes in them. So, yeah, I, I think if he continues as New South Wales coach by his own choosing, he'll pass Gus. There's no doubt about that with the team he's got. The Maroons should hold off debuting Reese Walsh in Game 3, Sowie. Hit. Yeah, I don't see what benefit he would have now coming in after the way they've played and how uninspiring they've been, you know, throwing him into the Wolves, especially if it's down in Sydney. Uh, you know, it, it might be a landslide. So I don't see the rush right now. Get him into camp again. You know, have him spend some time. Again, I can't believe Billy Slater's not in camp with his Queensland side or Cameron Smith uh, helping out. So, yeah, there's no point now to rush him. Let him get his injury right, go play good for the Warriors and then... Potentially, let's look at where the, the Queensland side is next year. Yeah, I, I didn't completely agree with Phil Gould that it was a disgrace for him to be picked in game two. I think I will agree if they pick him in game three. What does it serve picking a kid in that environment? I, I understand planning for the future, but the risk there is not good. It's too big of a risk to, to burn him and scar him on something like that. I think you put him in ice, so you got Sam Walker, and maybe even next year Sam Walker if he continues to put on some size and, and develop as a player. Those two are the future. Bring in Harry Grant, Caelan Ponga, and I think we see the best of Reese Walsh next year. And finally, the Maroons will win at least one of the next three series. Don't laugh at me, Sally. Uh, I hate predicting the future. I'd love New South Wales never to lose again. But, you know, some of those guys are very, very talented and... I think that there, there'll be a chance. I don't want to say that they won't win. A, so I'll say miss. I think that they can win one of the next three, potential on who their coach is. You know, if Wayne Bennett decides to come back uh, or Billy Slater takes over, that really scares me. So, um, you know, I think that uh, we'll, we'll learn a lot about those Queensland players in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll, I'll say with my heart, I hope that that's uh, hit, but I'm going to say miss and just be careful. So you can't run the tape back on me. I'm going to say I'm going to say miss for me. They, I don't think they will. That third series, I reckon, when they start to develop those young guys, I'll come close. But I just, unless Penrith fall off the face of the cliff over the next two years, I I can't see what they're building. If you look at Melbourne when they were so dominant, they just went straight into Queensland and it just worked. I think it's the same thing's happening with Penrith. They'll just come into it, they'll pick up where they left off, and it'll be seamless. And even Literal Mitchell said yesterday, playing with the Penrith guys has been a pleasure. So as long as Penrith was successful, New South Wales will continue to be successful. I think it's a miss all around. It'd be great to see the Maroons win a series in the next three years. Uh, 
Gents, that's all we've got time for. You're shaking your head, Sal. That's all we've got time for here on a very different edition of Inside the NRL. Uh, gents, stay safe over the next couple of weeks, uh, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, and to all of our uh, viewers out there, uh, hopefully you stay safe as well. Uh, hopefully this COVID-19 cluster clears up as soon as possible. We will see State of Origin 3 at Stadium Australia. Of course, so our attention turns to round 16 in the NRL and Try July is back. And this year it's for a very, very good cause. For every Try celebration in July, Sportsbet will be do donating five grand to the Men of League Foundation Mossy Masoi Appeal, with funds, of course, helping Mossy as he battles back from a catastrophic spinal injury. That's $5,000 for every single try. So there can't be more incentive than that for players to get on board. So hopefully we see plenty of post-try celebrations throughout the month of July.